And I am so excited about the group series that starts next week. Next week, it's one of those group series that I was referring to there on the video. And let me tell you about that series. The series is called, you look to the screens, you'll see it. It's called Share the Love. And that's just kind of fun to say, share the love, share the love, share the love. We hope that becomes something that gets tattooed on your brain and maybe on your arm. Uh, so we're excited about this series and let me tell you why. If you've been a part of the summit for a few years, you might be thinking, or even a couple of years, you might be thinking about this time, um, hey, isn't there something we do every fall or you know, on a regular basis, we do this thing that's called the Big Serve where we serve all over the triad and all over. We do all these incredible things for people just to let them know that you know, God loves them and we love them. We're trying to be an encouragement to the people around us. Don't we do that? Say, yeah, we do. And I haven't heard anything about that. That's because it's got everything to do with share the love. This is what we decided to do. We decided after years of doing the Big Serve that it was time to give it a re- brand to freshen it up to give it some new vision and to make it bigger and better than ever so the big serve is no longer however what we accomplished in the big serve we're going to continue to do bigger and better than ever and from now on we're going to be calling it share the love because it ties so greatly to our vision as a church and i'll say more about that in just a second but share the love. We got to talking about this, and we got so excited about it. We said, you know what? This, this needs to be more than just a week of serving, where we serve all throughout our community and letting people know, um, you know, the great things that God wants to do in their life and all that kind of stuff, just through generosity. Let's let's make it bigger than a week. Let's do a whole series, and so we're going to do that starting next week, all through October, five week series called Share the Love. We started thinking, man, if we're going to do a series on this, this probably should be the kind of series that we call a group series, and we get our small groups meeting all over the area to talk about more deeply, personally, how to share the love of Jesus with people through you know, giving and serving and just how we live our lives and that kind of thing. So we're going to make it a group series. And we thought, man, if we're going to do that, Let's just give everybody a t-shirt too. So next week, if you come, you're going to get a Share the Love t-shirt. We'll show you what that looks like in just a little bit. But, you know, in our opinion, you can change the world with Jesus and t-shirts. <laughs> right? You could literally change the world with Jesus and t-shirts. So next week, everybody, and I mean everybody that shows up, gets a t-shirt and that means your children in the peak and kids summit first time guests regular attenders everybody gets a t-shirt next week so if you're working on your fall wardrobe we're here to help we got you covered at least for a day so it's going to be exciting but let me tell you what's behind it to help you understand what's behind this series our what as a church the reason we exist as a church and maybe you've heard us talk about it already. We'll never say it enough. Is to receive and share the love of Jesus. To simply receive and share the love of Jesus. And there has never been a time in our culture. There's never been a time in this community. There's never been a time in this church. And I would say there's never been a time in your personal life where we need this more than we need it now. For people to receive and share the love of Jesus. It's never more needed. It's never clearer that we need it. Why? 
Here's the why. Because everybody needs love. Specifically, and especially, the love of Jesus. Now, now here's the deal. If you're a follower of Jesus and you're a church person and you're used to coming to church or maybe you're watching online and you're used to, you know, going to church kind of thing, you know, church people often say things like, you know, boy, I tell you the world out there, they need Jesus. Boy, I tell you the world out there, they need the love of Jesus. I'm telling you, that guy I work with, man, he needs to know that God loves him. And we talk about the people out there, the people out there, like the people that don't know God, the people that are far away from, you know, they're not Christians or whatever. But here's the deal. Everybody needs love. And everybody specifically and especially needs the love of Jesus. So if you've been following Jesus for a week, a year, 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, you need as much of the love of Jesus today as you did the first time you ever heard about the love of Jesus. Here's the deal. I've been, I'm a pastor. I've been following Jesus most of my life. And there's never been a day that I need to know just how much God loves me and to receive his love so that I can share his love. Never more than today. Never more than now. You don't ever outgrow grow your need for love. You never outgrow your need for the love of Jesus. Never, ever, never, ever. Why? Because we're here to receive and share the love of Jesus because everybody needs the love of Jesus. That's why we're doing the series. That's why this series, Share the Love, is gonna matter so much in your life in the life of this church and in this community. A few weeks ago, I was reading through Acts in the New Testament. And the book of Acts is a summary kind of of, uh, it's a crash course summary of what happened in the first days of the early church, the first years of the early church. It's a history. So I was reading through there and at the beginning of Acts, I, I got to noticing something interesting that Peter and John were saying and they were doing. So Peter Peter and John were some of the leaders in the first church, and they were Jesus' disciples, so they were with Jesus when Jesus was on earth. Now Jesus has gone to heaven, and he left them kind of in charge, you know, with a mission. It's the same mission that you and I have, the same mission this church has, but they were the first ones to receive the mission and to start telling people about Jesus. Well, they started doing a very good job of that in Jerusalem and the surrounding areas, and it caused a ruckus. I mean, when they started talking about Jesus and that Jesus is the way and that Jesus is the way you connect with God and, and focus Focusing on what Jesus has done, it really upset a lot of people. Like nothing has changed, <laughs> right? It's, it's still that way. It, it's just Jesus said of himself, I'm going, to be, I'm going to be a polarizing figure. I mean, people are going to be, some people get really upset every time my name is brought up. But that's what Peter and John were experiencing. And so people started questioning him. Peter, John, why do you guys make such a big deal about Jesus? Why, are you, why all this Jesus stuff? Why? Why don't you just kind of go with the religious flow? Why don't you just kind of fall in line with everybody else? Why all this focus on Jesus? And, and this is what I read, because this, this is important. Acts 4.12, this is what they said. Well, because there is salvation in no one else. So if you hear that in the first century, not Caesar? No. Not the Roman government? No. Not Moses, the Jewish tradition, no. Not Abraham, and no. There is salvation in no one else other than Jesus. They go on to say, God has given no other name under heaven. Not one. No other name under heaven, which we must be 
saved. By which we must, must be saved. And that is still true. And that is why we want people to receive and then share the love of Jesus. That's why we serve. That's why we volunteer. That's why we get in groups. That's why we give financially. That's why we do everything we do because there's no other name other than Jesus. He's it. There's no other person. So that's why we want people to receive his love and share his love with others because there's nobody else. He's our only hope. And it's always been that way and it's always going to be that way. For some of you who've been following Jesus for years, you need to come back to that. You need to remember that. Don't ever lose sight of that because it's easy to go through the motions as a Christian. It's easy, right? It's real easy just to do the same things over and over and over again. Maybe that's why you're here. It's just what you do on Sundays. Or maybe you couldn't be there in person, so you're tuning in online. It's just what you do. It's real easy to go through the motions. But you need to call yourself back to why this matters and why this is important. Because there is no other name. No other name. Not then, not today, not ever. Then the name of Jesus. Hey, and by the way, if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you're not a Christian and you've been attending the summit for any amount of time and you've still been kicking the tires on this thing and you know you need to just kind of nail this down in your life, there's never been a better time, never been a better day than right now, today, for you to nail this down and just say, today is the day I'm going to put my trust in Jesus and I'm going to start following him. Today is the day that I'm going to receive him as my Savior. And you can do that right now, right where you sit, right where you watch, right now in this moment. You can say, I'm in, I'm in. I receive him as my Savior and I want to follow him. I mean, it's just that simple. There's never been a better day. Why is that so important? Because there's no other name. Then Peter and John got threatened. They threatened to shut them up by putting them in jail, doing all kinds of things. And they basically looked at Peter and John and said, you guys just need to cut this Jesus stuff out. You need to stop. Just stop. And listen to their response. We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. In other words, Peter and John said, are you kidding me? Seriously, you expect us to stop talking about Jesus, to stop telling people about what we've seen Jesus do, what we've heard Jesus teach, to stop sharing what we've experienced? You're crazy. We can't stop telling people. We can't stop sharing the love of Jesus that we have received. Basically, that's what they're getting at. And listen, Summit Church, that's exactly where we need to find ourselves. We cannot stop. We cannot stop sharing everything we've experienced. We cannot help and we cannot stop sharing everything that we have seen God do in our lives and we've heard God do and experienced that God has done in our own lives. We can't help but do it. It's natural. And we're not going to stop doing it. And that's what the Share the Love series is going to be about. And we're going to spend the next month unpacking what this looks like for our church, for our community, and for you individually. Because it's an individual thing. It's not just a church thing. And so now as a church, we're a multi-site church. Meaning we meet in multiple locations physically across the triad and even an online church experience as some of you are experiencing right now. And so because we have such a broad spectrum, I want us to do something a little different from this point on in the next few minutes. I want us to talk about the specific opportunities and the specific challenges and what that looks like in each of our locations. So to do that, 
Right now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to kick it over to Brian Marston, our campus pastor in Jamestown, and I'm going to kick it over to Andy Cook, our campus pastor in Oak Ridge, and they're going to talk specifically to Jamestown and Oak Ridge about what that looks like for you guys in the coming weeks and the coming months. And I'm going to ask Eric Waldrop, our executive pastor here at the summit, to come out on stage. We're going to talk to Kernersville and those of you that are watching online specifically about this opportunity to continue to share the love of Jesus and what those specific situations are at each of our locations. So guys, you take it from here. Okay, now that they're gone, <laughs> got all that stuff, right? Eric, you come on out. Um, this is Eric, our uh, executive pastor here at the summit. Eric, before you sit down, why don't you show them the shirt that they're going to get next week? Everybody's going to get yep. this shirt. Zoom in on this. I'm okay if all of y'all check out my chest right now. Uh, that was inappropriate. Oh, gosh. Things you never thought I'm you'd sorry. hear from. <laughs> That's right. We should probably pray and confess that. Yes, like right I'm now. sorry. It just, isn't that a cool shirt? It's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's a, well, do you have it in gray? No, it's black, <laughs> and it's free, and everybody looks good in black. It'll trim five pounds off and all that kind of stuff, so it, it's good. Listen, Eric, thanks for joining me out here to talk about the specific opportunities we have here at Kernersville. Uh, Kernersville, going all the way back to the year 2000, meeting in Southeast Middle School, in metal chairs, Rubbermaid bins and lots of duct tape. Aren't you, aren't you allergic to Rubbermaid bins? I am now. now. You bring a Rubbermaid bin into my office and I'll start sneezing. I'll have a seizure. It ain't, it ain't pretty. Yeah. yeah. Now, it's just that's, that was our life for eight years. And then God allowed us to build this facility here. And then we grew and grew. And at one time, we were having five services a weekend, two on Saturday night and three on Sunday morning. And we did that for a long time. And Eventually, we got to a point where we're like, you know what? We, we have people that we're trying to reach across the triad. Maybe the best way to reach them is to become a multi-site church where we kind of divide and conquer kind of thing to help people receive and share the love of Jesus. So we sent a couple hundred people and told them to leave. Go to Oak Ridge. And we did. They live in that area, and now they've been meeting for four years or so, and there's several hundred people meeting there. And then more people started coming to Kernersville. And more people started coming to Oak Ridge. And so then we sent another, you know, a couple hundred people from Kernersville and Oak Ridge back about a year and a half ago to Jamestown. And now there's a few hundred people meeting there every weekend and receiving and sharing the love of Jesus. And so some of you may be thinking, are we going to do another location next? I mean, what's the next location? You know, Hawaii? Because I'll go there. Yes. You know, right. in Montana, I'll go there. Yeah. <laughs> are we going to do another one? Send me. So why don't you speak to that? <laughs> yes. So, uh... 2016 was an amazing year. We're now 18 months into uh, Jamestown, and uh, we all remember when Jamestown was just a thought, and uh, now to know that it's 18 months and its birth and development is pretty amazing. Uh, when we look at Oak Ridge, uh, we're excited because we met with our stewardship team recently to go ahead and do a feasibility study. Uh, there at that campus because we've already got land and, uh, you know, who knows where God is going to take that. So we're wanting to know how much it's going to cost for us to move forward at that location. And uh, so we're excited about that. So in light of thinking about a physical, another physical location for the Summit Church, we believe this year 
that the big initiative that we really want to put our energy, money, and prayer and support all behind is our online church. And uh, because we really believe that the reach of it is, is truly amazing. And I was just doing some stats and research this week and, and, you know, just how extensive and how far reaching is it going right now. And we have a minimum of 526 logins every week that are watching our content uh, on online, on their mobile phone or the, their mobile device or on their computer. But every week we have a minimum of 526 logins. That doesn't count the number of people that may be all watching around a t- television or something like that. But we're really excited to see that. We've got 402 cities represented in the last four months uh, that are watching from and 12 countries that are that are watching our online church. So we're we're really excited about that. Anybody from Madagascar? No. No. Right. We, well, we get we, somebody we, in Madagascar. We, that's going to be cool. We did have some folks watching from uh, from Burkina Faso, West Africa, and we thought that was pretty awesome until we realized that we had just sent a team to <laughs> to, uh, to there. Uh, we were like, "Oh man, look what God is doing." Oh yeah. Oh, that's us. We did. It. <laughs> We have people watching from West Virginia. That's another country. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's it. That's that so mean. I know it's so true, though. Hey, hey, here's what we are seeing. Here's something cool that we are seeing. Now, um, we're, we're seeing people who don't live close to a physical location of the Summit Church um, actually gathering people wherever they live to watch our services. And that's pretty cool. We've had some people that are college students who have left here and gone off to college, maybe have stayed away or two, and they, they love the summit. They want to be engaged with what's going on. And so they gather some friends around their dorm, and they, they watch the, the, the services and that kind of thing. So that's been really cool, and uh, we're excited about that. I met a girl at the 830 service uh, today, okay, from Boston. Name's Rachel, I think she's in mid-20s, 20-something, and, and from, from Boston. And she's been watching every week online from Boston and had the opportunity to come here. And one of the reasons she came here is because she wanted to attend in person. I mean, that's a long drive, church, I'm just telling you. <laughs> wanted to attend in person. She was so excited to be able to be here. She was invited yeah. by friends that attended our Oak Ridge location. Did it meet all of her expectations? She was excited when she left. That's I was, good. I, I think that's it, was, good. it was good. But hey, how cool is that? And she was talking about the spiritual decisions she's making in her life and hoping to take those next steps because of what God is doing through our online church. Uh, another girl, uh, Denise, mm-hmm. last week in our 830 service was baptized. Hadn't been to church in 20 years. Stopped going to church when, when she could because as a kid, it didn't mean anything to her. It's just kind of this religious experience. She got old enough to stop going. She stopped going or, or something like that. And but for 20 years, hadn't been in right. church. She was invited by a friend, thought it would be weird you know, to kind of go to church, you know, are they going to make me drink something? Are they going to put a bag over my head? You know, what are they going to do? That's kind of odd. So she did the safe thing and she watched from a safe distance online for six months, almost every week, watched online, engaged that way, gave her heart to Christ, was baptized last week, is coming, you know, the last two or three months have been attending physically. And that's what, that's That's why we're doing this. Isn't that incredible? That's why we're doing this. And you know, this is one of those new opportunities we got into and we're like, hey, this is an opportunity 
Uh, it's an experiment, and we were all in the very beginning of, hey, what is God going to do with this? You know, sometimes we've learned we've got to step out in faith. We've got to try some things we've never tried, and it's really cool seeing some of this. Now, <clears throat> one of the things that you and I also talk a lot about in terms of a responsibility that people um, here at our church need to understand is that personal invitations are really important. Yeah, personal invitations are extremely important, and you can use the online church um, to help you do that. For someone that doesn't, I don't know if I want to go to church. No, I don't know if I want to be there. I don't, I don't know if I trust what's going to happen to me. You can invite them personally to check it out from a safe distance online before they show up in person. Which, by the way, let me back up and, and cover something. We started the whole online church to help increase engagement, to help increase engagement for two groups of people, people who live too far away to come to one of our physical locations and for those of you who do live in the area when you're traveling or when you're out of town on vacation or you're sick at home blowing chunks, okay? You can, you can watch online, watch on demand, and you, you don't miss anything. And here's why this is important. The online church is not a way for you to disengage more easily, right? Like you get up on Sunday morning and say, I don't want to take a shower. Let's just watch online, right? I'm having a bad hair day. Let's just watch online. You know, and yeah. people say that all the time. They feel guilty. Oh, this is so funny. The other day I was in the grocery store and somebody walked up to me and they knew who I was. I didn't know who they were, which that happens a lot. So they walked up to me and they just said, hey, Pastor Jonathan. And it's like they led with this. I've been watching online. Like, you look guilty. <laughs> like, <laughs> like they were, and people say that, you know, hey, how you doing? Ah, we haven't been around, but we've been watching online. Like, it's yeah. like the excuse now, well, I'll, I'll watch it online. So that's not what it's for. It's not a way to keep you <laughs> from having to serve, volunteer, get in a group, or give. It's to help you stay engaged when you can't physically be here. So it's a great way to invite people as well. Yeah, you know, my, my family went to Nashville back a few, a few months ago, and what was so cool is I'm sitting in the hotel in Nashville and watching on a Sunday morning, we baptized folks from our church and watched the message participate, you know, kind of, I, I wasn't actually singing out loud in the hotel room because my family wouldn't let me do that, but it was, it, it was <laughs> You're a, standing in the floor. Yeah, yeah, that's right. What's dad doing? <laughs> but it was such a cool experience to be connected to my spiritual family. Mm. That, that's that what God is doing here. It was very cool. Well, use the online church as a way to invite your friends. And, and get this, we will never, ever, ever get away from the power of a personal invitation. If you read through uh, Jesus's ministry, that's how it got started. Friends bought, brought friends, friends brought friends, friends brought friends, and it's still the most effective way. Did you know that 75% of you that are in this room are here because somebody invited you? 75%. When we poll audiences and in groups, it's always, that's always the percentage, give or take. 75% of the people that are here are here because somebody that they know and love or trust told them about it, invited them. So the question's got to be, you know, who, who am I bringing? Who am I inviting? And understand how powerful that personal invitation is to people. I met a new friend out in the lobby a few weeks ago. His name's Chris. He may, he may be actually at our Kernersville location this morning right now. But um, anyway, I met him out in the lobby, and he was wearing one of these gray 
uh, armbands. As a man, I call them an armband. They're not a bracelet. For, for, but anyway, it's just my only weirdness. I feel but, you. But yeah, but anyway, so, so Chris had, had on one of these, and it says, receive and share the love of Jesus. And he walks up to me, and he, and he, and he shows it to me, and he goes, I just want you to know I'm doing this. And I was like, man, okay, you're, you're doing this. Like, what? He goes, no, no, no. I'm inviting everybody I can from Asheboro, 30 minutes away-ish, and I'm bringing them here to the summit. I'm going, that's what it's all about. It's because he lives in Randolph County. There's nothing happening. There's nothing in Randolph County. <laughs> in West Virginia, Is it? Sorry. I just thought, eventually, if you stay around long enough, I'll offend everybody. So That's right. It, I'm working my way down. <laughs> There's this really good restaurant that you like over yeah, there. Yeah, if, you, if you're looking for a good restaurant, um, the table in Asheboro, it's called The Table. And they've got tables. Don't be confused. It's called The Table. It's awesome. Mike Chicago Dogs is also good. Um, yeah. I'm just saying. Just not glad you came to church. Culinary advice. Jonathan, just, Jonathan is the, the foodie on staff for sure. Well, Jesus <laughs> is the bread of life. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Man. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else you want to say to that? No, let's, let's keep moving. Because okay. they're thinking, right. that's why I came to church? There's another reason. We'll that's right. There. All right, so you and I talk a lot about how we feel like uh, the summit is very unique in a certain way. Yeah. And we feel like what makes up part of the unique DNA of our church is that we feel uniquely positioned to reach unchurched people. You want to speak to that? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, every church, Every church would say they care about reaching people that are far from God. And I hope they do. I hope they do. And I can't speak for every church, but I can speak for this one. And, and this is at the heart of who we are. We're always trying to be very careful uh, to not compare um, church to church kind of thing because we're on the same team. All right? We're on the same team. Uh, I, I meet with a group of men every Monday morning from 7.15 to 7.45, just for a half hour, 7.15 to 7.45, uh, here at the Kernersville location, and we pray. As a matter of fact, if you would like to start your day off and your week off like that, join us here. 715, back here behind the church. We go into one of these back admin rooms, and we pray. We pray for you. We don't even know any, all your names. We, we have no idea who all of you are and what's going on, but we pray for you because we're praying to the one who does know your name. We pray for this church. We pray for this community. We pray for our nation. And one of the other things we pray for and we pray about often is for other churches, because here's the deal, that we can't reach everybody that needs to be reached for Jesus. We, we don't have enough land. We don't have enough parking. We can't have enough services. To think that we could get it all done is crazy. So it's my prayer that every church that wants to help people receive and share the love of Jesus and point people to him would be packed to capacity. Did you know that in order for us to reach every unreached person that's not in a church in the triad, just the triad, Every church today would have to have about 10,000 people in it. Every church. Even the ones that only seat 100, they'd have to have 10,000 people packing in there. Guys, we have a lot of work to do, and we can't do it alone. So I want every church to be just bursting at the seams. However, I will say this. Not every church is like this church. And, and I don't mean we're better kind of thing because we're on the same team, but we're uniquely positioned unlike so many other opportunities I've seen to reach people that are really, really far from God. I mean, let's start with the rawest of materials. Yeah. 
I think one of the things that we, we talk about as a team <clears throat> when we're, you know, just talking about the future of our church is we want to assume they're in the room. We want to assume that people who are unchurched are just kind of kicking the tires of what it means to follow Jesus. We want to assume they're in the room. So, Jonathan, talk, talk a little bit about how that affects programming. Oh, yeah. How it affects. Absolutely. We plan the services with that in mind. Um, and, and how we say what we say, how I teach, how we teach from the stage, we, we take that into account. We don't just assume that everybody's in the room as Christians and they know all the lingo, so we try not to use much lingo, you know, th that kind of thing. So we want to plan our services, and it's so much harder. It would be so much easier just to assume that we're all here for a big pep rally for Jesus, right? Yay, rah, yay, rah, suskumba kind of thing. I don't know. And so a lot of churches, that's what they do. And I'm not saying they're, they're wrong. I'm just saying the way we see it is we've got all eternity. We've got heaven for the pep rally. That's what heaven is. We have a mission to accomplish here. On this planet, Earth, we have a mission to accomplish, and the clock is ticking. We're not going to be here forever. We won't be here much longer. I, I really believe it. And that's not a scare tactic. That's a reality. And so in your life, you got to be thinking, man, what am I on mission with my life, with the mission of Jesus Christ? We have a mission to accomplish. So reaching unreached people and planning a church service that in an environment that takes unchurched people in mind, it's harder, it's messier, which means somebody is probably sitting beside you that doesn't believe the way you believe. They didn't vote the way you voted. They don't have the same values you have. And I think that's an awesome thing. Another characteristic of that is as an organization, we try to put dollars behind ministries that we feel are going to help us push the ball forward down the field. For instance, uh, our guest services ministry, we feel like that is a huge priority to our church because they're engaging all kinds of people on, at all three of our, our, of our physical locations. So we feel like that's a strategic ministry. We need to throw staff at, uh, throw resources at, throw signage at, all kinds of neat things to be able to help guests feel and have that great first impression. It's more expensive to reach unreached people. Mm -hmm. it, it, it takes you know, more technology and all this kind of stuff. But here, here's the bottom line, and, and we'll transition with this, okay? I believe God has positioned the Summit Church to be the church, and I want us to be the church, and I believe you would want us to be the church. That when someone in the triad interacts with someone who is really messed up, really screwed up, like if you've got a friend and you're like, oh my, they need some Jesus, and their life has fallen apart, I want us to be the church that people think, you know what, I need to get them to that summit. I, I need to get them to the Summit Church. Their life has fallen apart. If I can just get them there, there's some chance. There's a hope because they are designed to speak right into the messiest, just rawest material. And I'll be honest with you, I'm still messy. I'm still raw material. I'm still learning every day what it means to receive and share the love of Jesus. And so we are a church for the unchurched, and we will always be that. And... Um, we're uniquely positioned to do it. And that's our, that comes back to our why. This is why we exist as a church. So I want us to come back around to the why, and I kind of started with it talking about Acts chapter 4 and Peter and John, and, but Barak, I, I want us to come back around to that because the why is so very important. To remember the why, to remember your why, okay? The why of this church, the why of your life. Because here's what 
we've discovered and I've discovered in my life, anything that's new eventually becomes normal. And when the new becomes normal, it's easy to forget why it was new to begin with and why it was important, right? It's that way in marriage. Eventually, the new becomes normal. And when the new becomes normal, you have to remind yourself of why. Parenting takes about two hours. The new becomes normal. And when the new becomes normal, I know some of you haven't had children yet, and you're like, not for us. Okay. When the new becomes normal, you remind yourself of the why. Your job is the same way. Your education is the same way. And church is the same way. Some of you have been attending church here so long. Even some of you may be back to the middle school days. And the new church smell has now become a normal thing for you. And you've forgotten, really, why we exist and why you are here and what this means. So, Eric, I want us to circle back around to the why. And I want you to share a moment that you had personally and how it impacted our team and talk about the why. Yeah, I was listening to a guy that I have a lot of respect for, and uh, he was making a statement one time, and he said, when you lose your why, you lose your way. And that's so good. I, I, want, I want to say that again. He said, when you lose your why, you lose your way. And I started thinking about that statement in my own life and started, you know, thinking about my, my, my wife, my children, my job, my, uh, you know, all the things that I enjoy doing in, in my life and things that uh, are work for me and all that kind of stuff. And I started going, wow, that really is true. When you lose your why, you kind of lose your way a little bit. You kind of drift a little bit when you forget why you're doing something. And so, um, Every Tuesday, um, Jonathan and I gather with our campus pastors, and we celebrate what God is doing. We talk strategy, what's broken that needs to be fixed. What we play we... poker. <laughs> poker. No, I'm sorry, we don't do that. I, I don't know how to play poker. <laughs> That's right. And uh, so, so I decided to open up the meeting that day just with the question, hey, why did you go into ministry? Why did you accept Jesus' call to ministry? Because it had been one of those weeks where it was tough. You know, a lot of us are finding ourselves doing things that maybe not, are not part of our job description per se, but the organization needs us to. And so you just show up and you figure it out. And that's just, that's just kind of how we operate. So, but it had been one of those weeks where I was kind of doing some of those jobs. And I was like, man, why did I start this to begin with? Why did I get into this? And and so we all went around the table and told our why. We all went around the table and said, well, here's why I got into ministry. Pastor Jonathan shared his, I shared mine. But here's what I said specifically. I said, when I was 18, my youth pastor reached out to me and he said, Eric, uh, your life doesn't really have a whole lot of direction right now. What would it be like if you just spent about six months with me and I just ta taught you how to have a relationship with God. That's all he said. And, uh, you know, I thought at the time going to church was enough. Like, I mean, I got to do something else. And uh, I was like, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll give him a shot. I'll give him one meeting, and then we'll see. Well, we met the first time, and God just grabbed a hold of my heart, and my life changed. And my why is that if God can do that in my life, he can do that in your life and in your life. 
And so I decided at that moment, this is the best thing that I can give my life to. This is the most honorable thing for me in my life, not for everybody, but for me in my life. And so we started there, and as we started thinking about why we exist as a church, as the Summit Church exists, we started thinking about what is it about us? What's our why? To receive and share the love of Jesus. And so many times we find ourselves in the same place that Peter and John found themselves when they said, we cannot stop telling about everything that we've seen and heard. We can't do it, and we won't do it. And when we came back to that why, that meeting was like a galvanizing moment, I think, for us as a team. Well, life will beat the why out of you. That's true. Are you, are you listening? Life will beat the why out of you. And you will find yourself just kind of going from day to day to day, plug and play, plug and play. Plug and play may be great for technology, but it's a lousy way to live. And that's where a lot of us have resigned ourselves to just a plug-and-play existence. Go to work, come home, go to work, come home, do that five times, mow the grass on Saturday, run the kids to the ball game, and do this church thing on Sunday and start all over again. Remember your why. It'll change your marriage. Okay? You, you want some marriage counseling? Here we go. Just mm. about as good as I can give you. Come back to the why. And I know sometimes you're going to be exasperated, like, why did I marry him? Or why did we get married? Okay, that's normal. That happens. And when that happens, come back to the real why, right? And it's not you had me at hello, right? It's, it's deeper than that, right? You, uh, parenting, you want a shot in the arm for your energy and parenting to hang in there a little bit longer? Remember the why. Remember what it's about. Remember the why. Remember why you're in their life. Remember why God put them in your family and gave them to you. Children are a gift from God. And on the day you want to give them back, remember the why. Remember the why. In your job, remember the why. Why did I go to school for this? Why did I sign up for this? Why did I get this degree? Why did I go to the, get this certification? Why do I get up so early? Remember the why. Remember the why. And it's bigger and it's, it's more than just about money. If you're a follower of Jesus, it's always more than about the bottom line, the money, because there's people involved. Regardless, and as a church, we've got to remember the why. That's what the Share the Love series is going to help us do. More than ever, come back and say, we're here because there's no other name, and we can't stop telling people about it. So that's why we serve. That's why we give. That's why we show up. So Eric, I want you to just close us and pray over us about the why. Because that's what we need to come back to. I want to do that. And you know what, guys? I, I want to invite you. We're a spiritual family. Uh, this isn't about, hey, this is our church, and you guys are just here to kind of see it. No, 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 no. All of us are a spiritual family. And you're here because I would imagine you love this place too. And God has done a work in your life that maybe you can't quite put your finger on yet, but you feel something happening. And I want to ask that you would join me as I pray that God would use our church as an incredible force for good in the triad. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the Summit Church. Um, what it has meant for my family, what it has meant for the families in this room, what it has meant to all of us. And we just ask for your wisdom and your direction this year as we launch so much uh, energy and prayer and focus into our online church. And it's so exciting to see how many are, are being affected and changed by that. 
We also pray, Lord, that all of us would invite people that we love and care about to experience this together. This is not something that we can keep to ourselves. This is something that we want and we should share with others. So, Lord, bring uh, people into our life and and nudge us when we strategically need to invite them and, and care for them in those ways. God, help the Summit Church always be a church with its focus on reaching those that are not here yet. And the slide will always be to us and our own personal needs and the things that we want. But God, help us to keep that focus and vision on people who are not here. And Lord, at the end of the day, when we're tired and when we're stressed and when we're burdened and when we're dizzy and we don't understand what's going on, help us to remember our why. And that's to receive you as our Lord and Savior and to share that with the people that you bring into our life. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus we pray. Amen.